Circle Cast with your host Melissa, that's me. And Regina, that's me. So yeah. So episode number two. Episode number two. We officially <laughs> made it into making more than one episode of the podcast. <laughs> it took a lot to get here. We're, but but we're getting there. Yeah, we're a little behind <laughs> schedule, but that's okay. October we're is figuring out our like track. Exactly. And October is also just a kind of a like crazy busy month you it know is. especially it for witches is. oh do tell <laughs> <laughs> okay so for this particular episode so last episode we wanted to talk a lot about ourselves we wanted to like have you guys know who we are where we came from why we're doing this um and then of course share our witch tips and questions and so this time we are going to just sort of change it up a little bit <laughs> instead of <Why> doing not? <laughs> instead of doing which tip oh no wait no instead of doing the questions at the end I'm going to do the question at the beginning this time why are you switching it up on me? I'm switching it up on you because um our question this time is so big it requires an entire episode to answer you know what I think that's a perfectly fair reason to switch it up. Excellent. So what is this entire episode dedicated to, then? So, I'm going to read the questions. So here we are. These are your questions. And so I'm going to insert my little musical cue now. Questions. The question comes from KCCDA. She's one of the uh, Cycle Circle attendees. Oh, yes. Um, So, Casey asks, could you elaborate more on seances and how you got started doing them? The good, the bad, and the in-between. That is a big question. So, yeah, it's a big question. Big question, Casey. Yeah, there's a yeah. That's I I agree. This is a lot. This is a whole episode type deal. And seances are kind of like one of your big things. Yeah, seances are my thing. That's yeah. that's like the thing that I love to do the most. <laughs> and um and stuff seems to happen every time, and it's this awesome. Is true. <laughs> I've been to more than one of your seances. I think we've been to. Have I been to three with? I'm not sure. I've been to a good handful. I've, I lose track of how many. I well, yes, you do. But <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a lot, and I'm still learning stuff about it from. You. I'm still learning stuff. I mean, it's a never-ending process of learning. You know. Yeah. Anyone who says they know everything about a seance is then doesn't is there? I don't know. They're lying. <laughs> Yeah. There's, there's so much more to learn all the time, and you got to dig into the history and keep going back further and further. So anyway, yeah. to start, so first things first, um, I feel like now is a good time to talk about the mediumship, because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, anyone can, um, you know, have a seance, um, but 
it's the pathway to seances for me was exploring my mediumship ability. Right. So in order to talk about my mediumship ability, I have to go all the way back to when I was three years old, which I realize is a lot. (laughs) I was an extra (laughs) three-year-old. You know what? If if three-year-old Melissa was anything like current Melissa, of course she was extra. (laughs) You say that like that's not a given statement. I can't help myself. I know. Um, okay, so... <laughs> so, so, and, and that's something we touched on last time, was that, like, a lot of what you still do was, like, encouraged when you were a kid. So, I'm assuming that you had plenty of experiences that were formative. Oh, totally. And the biggest experience happened shortly after my grandfather died. Mm. And, oh, um, yes. Yeah, so he died when I was three. And at that age, I can pretty much really clearly say that I didn't even understand what death was. I had no concept of it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I knew that... I don't even know if I understood that there was a difference between the living and the dead, to be perfectly honest. That would make sense, though, because, like, from what you've told me about your grandparents and even your parents, it's like either there was kind of just that non-spiritual assumption I'm assuming that uh life is life you've got the one shot and then that's it and that's fine so there's no need to be afraid of death or a more spiritual idea of well maybe there's other stuff going on oh totally figure out what that is but I think honestly when I was that age I didn't even have a concept of spirituality or 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 life or death and I think you know because I could see spirits all the time and I could Mm -hmm. talk to them all the time. I think there was a part of me that just assumed that was normal life. And that wasn't a big deal when people died because they just, they just became more transparent and more shimmery and a little bit harder to hear. But it was like they were, it was like the same thing as a living person. (laughs) And I had to sort of, I had to sort of uh, um, learn to tell the difference and make one be more quiet just to be able to like function in the real world. But so when I was three years old and, and this is when I kind of learned, I believe that, uh, there was a difference. So I walked into my grandmother and she was in her bedroom and she was bawling her eyes out. And I innocently asked, you know, Grammy, why are you crying? Cause I didn't understand. And she said, I'm crying because grandpa is gone. And I said, no, he's not. He's right over there and pointed to an otherwise empty chair in the corner of the room. And I don't remember much of the rest of that and but of that conversation. But I do know that she asked me questions and she was really satisfied with the answers to the point where she actually, she stopped crying and she was okay. And she acted as the, from that point forward, she acted as though she was still married and he was still around all the time. And she, there were even like, you know, older gents who lived in town who like would try to like be like, oh, well, you know, you're all alone now, Vera. Like, you know, why don't we get together? Why don't we date? And she'd be like, oh, I'm still married. Cause, cause her husband was still around. Arnold was still there. And, um, but around that same time, I started to sort of learn to keep quiet about that stuff. Yeah. You yeah, know? that makes sense. <laughs> yes, I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> so it was like, oh, okay, I have to pretend that I don't see all this stuff or have all the experience, all these experiences 
just so I can like function in the real world, you know? Right. And um, so it's, you know, that's like a lot for a child, you know? No, I actually, <laughs> I actually, we've never talked about this before, so it's really weird for me to say, but I actually completely understand because I had a very similar experience when my grandfather died. I was about five or six, maybe seven, um, very young, and I remember being outside on the porch because my my grandmother, um, she she needed some health care assistance, so we moved in with her after my grandfather passed away, and so I was on their back porch, and I remember sitting there and looking up and seeing what looked like my grandfather and then two other like entities like ascending and I called for the other members of my family and to this day they will still agree that we all saw the same thing wow and what's interesting is that for me that really was kind of affirming of a lot of things because I didn't have any other way to explain it as a kid Mm -hmm. but once I started to explore more things it kind of brought me back around to the occult. Whereas for you, I'm assuming, since you brought this up, that was, like, your first toe dip into, like, the heavy mediumship stuff. It was, but again, I was so young, I didn't really comprehend any of it. Of course. You know, and and I know that I struggled for years, and I was, you know, bullied because I was a weirdo, and I would talk about weird things. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> all this stuff. Um, but, you know, it's... It's it's a it's a strange thing, and I, I have to kind of honestly say that I didn't call myself a medium until a few years ago. I didn't even really? label it that way because it was sort of like I had a, a strange sort of disassociation with it. Where no, that makes sense. I knew that I could see ghosts. I knew that ghosts were real. Mm-hmm. I knew that ghosts, you know, were just you know dearly de- beloved people who had passed on or pets or what have you. Um, so, like, I knew all these things, and I was super into, you know, I'd watched the original, um, I forget what it was called, but it was the original Ghost Hunters show, The Guys Out of Rhode Island. I loved it, and I would watch all this stuff, and Ghostbusters, of course, when we were kids. So it's like, you know, there were, there were things out in society that were validating my experiences, and I knew that they were real, but there was a part of me that, like, remained in this skeptic mind and, like, put it to the side of, like oh, that's just this thing, but I have no control of it. I have nothing to do with it, so I'm just going to ignore it and pretend that it's fiction. <laughs> that's that's actually interesting because I, I completely get that because that's absolutely, like, how I dealt with it a lot until we met and I started learning a lot of things from you. And so it's it's obviously been a process, and like you've mentioned, the seances were a big part of developing that. And I know that going to your seances have always kind of done that same thing where it's like, just, and I mean, just being around other people who study and practice and do all the in-betweens, it's like you kind of get that extra boost. So it's, but I was lucky enough to be able to attach on with you and learn those experiences with you. Whereas you started, I, I was just thrust into trial by fire, like literally. How did that even happen? Did did somebody ask you to do one? Well, no. Well, kind of. So it was like a whole little process. So um, when I started to sort of come out as a witch, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was taking classes at the Green Man Store and um, hanging out with people at the Crooked Path, um, there, you know, 
oh, I, like I said, I still wasn't calling myself psychic or medium at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other people were calling me that. Like other people who were much older than me, had much more experience, were saying, oh, you totally have second sight. And um, it was actually a friend of mine who also does my hair. Her name is Rochelle, and she's phenomenal. She's a firecracker, and she just is knows so much about the craft um, and mediumship and just energy uh, and Reiki. But she was doing my hair one day, and uh, I mentioned that I could see a spirit behind her, and I described what he looked like, and she knew exactly who it was, and she blurted out, Melissa, you're a medium. And I was like, nah, <laughs> shut up, you know? And, uh, and she's like, no, you are. And she's like, you should explore this. You know, you should, you should look into it. And so that's when I really started to take the deep dive. And, um, and I also like, I went and I, uh, mentored Andor, uh, Patty Negri. Um, right. So I went to like a lot, I, I viewed her seances and, um, I also, and also Sheena metal and, I also did a lot of my own research, too, because, you know, I was curious, like, why am I having these experiences? So I would read books like Happy Medium by Kim Russo to sort of help me, um, how do I put it, help me, ma- help me feel validated, help me feel like it was real. Yeah, I had, yeah. To, I had to get over the hump of, and I'm just going to be perfectly honest. This is a podcast. I don't know how many people are listening. I'm going to share the truth. I had to get over the hump of, am I out of my freaking mind that I'm having these experiences? Do you know what I mean? Like, No, I do. Because it's like, with a lot of, with a lot of magic, you kind of have to tread that fine line between not falling into suspension of belief but also acknowledging stuff that makes no sense otherwise. And it's a very fine line to tread. And it's very easy to feel like, especially if you have an experience that, like, there's no explanation for. It's very easy to feel like, am I making this up? Am I coming up with something? Am I insane? Have I lost it? Right. And that's why it's so important. That's why community becomes so important. Yes. When you find it, because finding other people to help you walk through what you're experiencing without feeling like it's impossible or you're crazy for thinking it or you shouldn't be able to talk about it. Right. That's why working, especially with seances, with stuff like that, working with the people that you trust is so important. Right, yes. And we'll touch on that later. Yeah. Um, And that's why why things like psychic circles are really good. Um, Mm -hmm. And I also teach a mediumship series, which I'm trying to figure out how to translate to the new Zoom world. But but it's good to have these experiences with like minded people, you know, Mm. Um, because, you know, it, it helps to validate all the experiences that you have, it helps to make you feel more normal. You know, yeah. <laughs> because for for a lot of people in in the occult world, it's like this is kind of their definition of normal. And I think for most people, it's almost like it's almost like expanding your peripheral vision. Yeah, it's it's like taking what everybody else sees and adding that second layer. To it's it. blowing the box wide open. Yeah, and, and so if you constantly have people around you telling you not to look at that you're naturally going to, like, seal yourself away from it. Absolutely. And the more people that you find, the more experiences that you let yourself have, the more you can develop that. That's the only way it's going to happen. Exactly, yeah, because it becomes like breathing after a mm-hmm. while if you mm-hmm. do it enough.
started to get into seances, uh, hosting seances specifically, was that another store had asked me, well, another store was looking into creating a seance group. And originally, I was just going to be, you know, joining in and, uh, you know, I was interested in it because I'm interested in this stuff. But um, but there was another member of the group who was much more um, knowledgeable about it, but she wanted to take a break and not run things all the time. So they needed to find a person to be a host. So I was like, um, so I was sitting there one day and they were tossing back back and forth ideas and all of a sudden um, a friend of mine was like, well, if you want to have a, you know, a medium host it, then you have to have Melissa. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Me out there, yeah, just throw Fine. me under the bus. <laughs> now I have to be the, under the spotlight, and I would always have this thing of like, oh, I just want to be in the shadows, I just want to be the behind the scenes. Right. Um, so I was like, great, okay. So I started doing research and um, I went to other people's, tons of other people's seances, so I could experience, experience those. So, um, you know, I went to seances where you know, Patty Negri ran them, where Sheena Metal ran them, where um, Griffin and Carrie over the Green Man ran them. Um, you know, just to sort of immerse myself in what it's like to sit in on them before hosting my own. Right. Um, and then I also, and of course my whole life, you could might say that I kind of always hosted my own seances anyway, because ever since I was young, before I understood uh, how how um, dangerous Ouija boards could be. I always had them when I was a kid and would play with them mm-hmm. all the freaking time. So like, no wonder. Um, but uh, But yeah, so... I started doing all this research, tons, you would not believe how many books I read. And part of the reason why I had to do so much research was because there was no book out there that just would say, like, this is how you do a seance. Step one, do this thing. And step two, do this other thing. So I had to go through and read all this stuff and all these different ideas and sort of, like, patchwork it all together and cobble it into... A little structure, you know, because I, I like to have structure for things like that. I like a beginning, a middle, and end. I want to know, like, you know, I want to take people on a journey, you know, and, absolutely, and have little like milestones of experiences. So I created this whole sort of little formula for how to do a séance, and which someday maybe I'll teach a full class on it or something, um, but. I can share that right now with you guys. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just like any practice where it's like so many people have their own thoughts and their own opinions and their own walkthroughs. And it's like, you took the time to sit down, break that all down, and then develop your own. Totally. I took all the complicated, hard-to-read stuff and just, like, (laughs) simplified it so it would be easier to digest and, you know, tackle. So, um, so... Dun-da-da. How to do your own seance, because this is the time of year to do it. Absolutely. Um, So first things first, I feel like it's really important to go into a seance in the right frame of mind. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people will, a lot of people look at it as a parlor trick, as as a gimmicky kind of thing. And that's fine. There are really fine and wonderful practitioners of entertainment seances um, and they very specifically do it on purpose they'll have uh, rigged equipment and things like that so that they will make things happen um, the best ones 
will present it in such a way as to say, um, I have these rigged things, I'm going to make things happen. But uh, sometimes these rigged things will actually create an occurrence that'll like spark the spirit to appear. So for example, say you have a device that's rigged to light up at a certain particular time. Um, but then after it does the one it's supposed to do, all of a sudden it starts blinking uncontrollably on its own afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that practitioner would then say, well, this is a sign of actual real spirit activity. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Now, I never was really interested in either one of those. Um, I, 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 I've met with people who did them. Mm -hmm. I asked questions. I researched them because I was curious. I looked at some of the equipment uh, online. But, but I just, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted people to have an authentic experience if they came to one of my seances and um and I and more than that I wanted people to look at it not so much as like fun and games mm -hmm. as this is actual work that we're doing this is ritualistic this yeah. is um you know these are lives these are these are human beings who have passed mm -hmm. on and um, we want to get in touch with them because we, you know, if we may have messages that they want to share, you know, with the living. Right. And, and the, more than that as well, um, is there also may be, you know, spirits that are stuck on this plane, um, which are called shades in certain circles. And, um, and there are people who, for whatever reason, did not embrace the event of death and uh, became trapped on this plane. So um, the service that a seance serves can be to help guide those lost souls to the light so that they can continue their transformation. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I, you know, that was my perspective. You know, it was about... Uh, I mean, of course we have fun while we're doing it. You know, it's not all right. like totally serious all the time and we're all like grim and proper. You know, we, you know, we crack jokes and... Absolutely. And we try different tools and people yeah. bring new techniques. We try There's to keep it light, of, you know, fun. You know, have a snack, have some wine. Totally. Like. But, but that, you know, and, 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 you know, we do delight in when things happen, like the table starts to knock or something moves or the lights flicker. Or of course, that's what we're there for. Yeah, you know, so we do delight in in that aspect of it. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I just, I always like to sort of make sure to point out that there's, is actually sort of like a higher purpose behind it all. Yeah. I think that mindset is a really, really important factor because there's a lot of ways that you can subconsciously come into an environment like that. Like, I know the first couple times I came to a seance with you, like, I was a little bit skeptical. It wasn't that I didn't believe that anything could be there. I mean, my worldview in particular was like, yeah, sure, of course. But, you know, it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I know how a Ouija board works. So, like, I'm sure people will be subconsciously doing this or that. And it's like, and I was actively for like the first probably hour or so, it was like I was just like actively dismissing things. And that took away from it. And it was probably taking away from it for other people. And so it's like I was kind of blocking myself from doing more work than I could have been. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And, um, and we'll talk more on that later too. <laughs> we have a witch tip about that. Um, oh, did I, did I, did I that's stumble okay. on something? It's okay. Fun? It's okay. It's like a, it's going to be a recurring <laughs> motif. It's great. Um, so, uh, 
so yeah, so that so that's so mindset is super important. You know, you are actually doing serious work. You're having fun while you're doing it for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're hoping for like neat things to happen. But like I think it's super important to go in with like a pure heart perspective. Yeah. Um and cuz you know, sometimes there's there are other approaches. There are many different approaches. Now, this is just my approach. I'm not saying that this is what you have to do. Um, I'm just saying this is how I approach a seance Um, to each their own. I know that there are other approaches where um, some will sort of uh, command a spirit to be there. And Mm -hmm. because like it is believed, I don't know how true this is, but it's believed that spirits do not have free will and that they can be commanded. They can be told what to do. And of course, that's a lot of power for someone and you need to use power responsibly. So I would never want to command a spirit to appear if the spirit did not want to appear mm-hmm. or make themselves known in some way. And there are others who do do that because they, they, they are, their approach to the practice is different. And that's fine. Right. That's just not my approach. Um, and, we're, and we're here to, you know, of course, discuss for today at the very least. We're here to discuss your approach. My approach. <laughs> exactly. So, well, you know, so I just wanted to make that also clear. It's like mine is not the end-all be-all way to do this. And, and I mean, there are... There are just some people who, you know, maybe you want to hear it from us. Maybe you want to hear every potential option. Maybe you want to follow one specific textbook. None of those are necessarily wrong. Totally, yeah. And I totally, and like, it's always good to explore other perspectives too because that's how you kind of figure out your own. That's how I figured out my perspective. I had to look at everybody else's and pick and, okay, this part works. Oh, I totally get you. You know, and then you kind of make your own. So when you're doing the same, so you have all that, that's your mindset. The next thing that's important is to th- really think about who you want to contact. Mm-hmm. You know, like lots of times I'll have people who show up for, um, you know, readings or seances or what have you, and they're just like, oh, any spirit that's present. And that's fine. That can be fun. But there's not a lot of way to validate who- those. Um, yeah. Whereas if you're calling on someone very specifically, like say you have, uh, you know, maybe you come to my seance and maybe you have five different people that you would like to call on in your mind. Mm-hmm. And maybe while we're sitting there and you, you've prepped that before you even showed up, like, you know, like I have these five people that I would really like to talk to. And then you show up and you get at the table. And then as you know, I'm, you know, feeling spirits or whoever else is feeling them, we're calling them in. It can be like, oh, you know, you know, like, oh, I see someone with brown hair and was a pilot in World War II. And you can be like, oh, my gosh, that's my grandfather or whatever. You know what I mean? Ironically, that is my grandfather. (laughs) Because I'm a medium. (laughs) And that's how that works, folks. (laughs) But, yeah. So, um, and, and, and. And that just really helps to keep things on track and, and to validate, you know, um, that you yeah. are for sure, in fact, getting a legit person that once existed, you know, oh, or entity. Yeah. Um, so that's that. So the next thing is, is if you have someone that you really want to contact, it's really good to have like a photo of them or some object that they handled or touched or mm-hmm. wore a lot, um, just because those things carry energy and, right. and they're good to have with you. Um, now I'm not going to go into all of the specifics that I do while I'm setting up a seance because there are all these little funny little rituals that you can do. Some people do spells where you might have like a, a black candle and a white candle that you wrap in mm-hmm. a red twine and you decorate with, um, 
you know, rose petals, you know, that's a a candle magic way to go about having a seance. And I've done those. I've done lots of those. And it's pretty and it's fun to do, but you don't need to do it. Um, you don't, it doesn't have to even be all that fancy. So there are, but, but there are certain like basic things Mm -hmm. that spirits are just oddly attracted to. And so those are the things that I like to have around. Right. So I will, so one is flowers. They love flowers. I don't know why. And it doesn't, you know, you don't have to go get a dozen long stem red roses. Like I've just gone (laughs) out into my backyard and like snipped a few petals and brought them inside and works um they love flame they are attracted to that flame so you dim the lights you have a candle and you know it doesn't even have to be technically candle magic you know you don't have to necessarily address it or you could it's up to you all that really matters is you've got that little flickery flame they love it they're attracted to it um they are also very much attracted to crystal and glass um so like i have crystal balls that are quartz but then i also have crystal balls that are just glass um but glass is a really phenomenal substance and i don't remember right now all of the specifics and particulars i wish that i did but in in essence a glass combines many different elements into one because you have the lightning that strikes the sand that it has to create. And oftentimes, you know, it can be near water, but not always because it can be in the desert. But you have these different elements that, like, come together to create something new. And that's very alchemical and um, creates a portal for spirits. Just that the very nature of it, it's like a crossroads. Because if you have, like, two elements that come together, it creates a crossroads, which is going to, like collect a spirit essentially it's like a conductor yeah it's good it just totally attracts them like a like mm-hmm. a lightning rod right and um so I always have a crystal ball around you know and it's funny because you know when I was younger when I was a little kid and I was totally enthralled by fortune tellers and what have you I I I, I kind of thought the crystal balls were just decorations I didn't ever realize that they could serve an actual purpose but they do <laughs> you know um, it's just so one of those things. It's just one of those things. <laughs> so I have that. And then one other thing that I do, um, so my approach when I studied this and I had to choose a, an approach to seance, I chose Victorian table tipping. Yes. So when I do a seance, I have a very specific type of table mm-hmm. that is a Victorian wine table. It has a, um, a smallish top, so only maybe like 10 max could sit around it, and that would be really pushing yeah. it. Um, and it's got a center post and then three feet that flare at the bottom. And the reason why that's important mm-hmm. is because it's easier to tip yes, so that the spirits can uh, more easily manipulate it. Now... Um, I have never in a seance had the table actually like tip to the point where the feet have lifted up, lifted up. Um, and I can't help but wonder if in Victorian times those were staged with some sort of little device that like with a spring, like boop, 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 you know, a little steampunk action happening. <laughs> um, but what I have experienced, and Regina, you can comment on this once yes. I state it, um, <laughs> is when you're, because what we do is we sit around the table. 
Yes. And the table itself is clear. All those little doodads I mentioned are on a different table. <laughs> and so you're sitting on a clear table, and each person has their fingertips lightly on the top. You're not pushing hard. You're just lightly touching yep. and making sure that the rest of your body doesn't touch the table anywhere because you don't want to accidentally do something like hit it or knock it. Um, but when you have your fingertips on that, and everyone has their fingertips on that table, there you feel something in the table. Mm-hmm. Before there's even a sound or a knock or anything, you get that weird, rocky. Yeah, that's seasick. usually what happens. Is it's like, it it's like you said. It it feels like you're rocking on a ship. Yes. Where it's like, and you'll even sometimes you'll look across the table and you'll see somebody kind of like swaying with it a bit, and it's just this sense of like you're all like latched in on it. Totally yes, mm-hmm. and it's funny how it starts to happen because I feel like when it starts happening, I'll start to feel it. And you'll question and, it. And then, I, and then I'm like, am I really feeling this? Or did I have one too many sips of wine? And then like, I look around at everybody else, and someone someone in, un, inevitably will say, Do I feel like I'm on a ship. And then, and then other voices go, wait, me too, me too, me too. And then everyone's like, okay, we're all, okay. And then you know you're like clicked in, right? But anyway, so that's another tool that I use. Um, you don't have to use that. Uh, there are a zillion other tools that you can use. Right. Um, but it's good to have these tools. So some tools that some people will use are dousing rods. Yes. I love dousing rods. They're, They're fun. super fun. They, they might be hard for you to get a knack on if you've never used them before. Maybe start working with... Um, uh, Pendulum. Pendulums. That's the word I was thinking of. Not pentacles. Pendulums. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> <laughs> but start working with um, a pendulum because that'll help you kind of lock in your movements and get used to like holding really, really still and channeling something. And then you can move on to something like Dowsing Roger, which they're just stinking fun. Oh, totally. They're just so much stinking fun. They're super fun and they do take a minute to get used to. Mm-hmm. Um, I highly recommend, if you're going to buy dousing rods, I highly recommend getting copper ones because mm-hmm. I find they're more conductive and they just, they respond a little better. Absolutely. That's a bonus switch tip. Copper, copper, copper. Yes. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And let's see, what else? What else? Uh, Ouija boards, obviously, but that's like a whole like Pandora's box where there's um, so there. Depending on what you believe and who you talk to, there are all these different rules. Depending on what movie you've watched, you might want to follow some rules over other rules. It gets it gets complicated. I think the most successful events I've had with Ouija boards are when I've gone in with no expectations, and then I've let the person who owns the Ouija board tell us what steps we're taking. Right. And I also find, too, with Ouija boards that, you know, they can go south real fast. Yeah. They can. They can. And not just because it's very, very open, but because people can get frustrated. Because sometimes it's like... Sometimes you'll get English, sometimes you'll get another language, sometimes you'll get no language, sometimes you'll get things that seem like a code, but they're consistent across all the messages. Right. Sometimes you'll get something that kind of scares you. Absolutely. We've had, ones, we've had ones where it's just been like shifting between like two numbers and then X, and then two other numbers and then X, and it's like, and it just is going in this circle, circle, The circle, circle. I will, like that's what the one I was going to say. Uh, it's the circle one. So like sometimes, so <laughs> yeah, sometimes when you're doing them, like you're, and at first it seems like, it, you know, you might start, it'll like be like, oh, there's like a little bit of movement, and then it seems like it's, oh, now it's actually spelling something out. Oh, it might actually be co- like someone's coming mm-hmm. through, and then all of a sudden... 
it's like zoom, 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 and it's like going around and, and spinning in this ridiculous circuit. Like, well, at that, that point, I just hands off. I'm done. Because if it starts mm-hmm. going out of control in a circle, then I don't know what the heck is happening. And I don't even really like use them anymore because too, it's just too many weird negative things have happened in relation to Ouija boards. They're very low vibration. So many different rules. Yeah. So so that's not a tool that I would personally recommend. Yet at the same time, I had one when I was a kid and used it all the time. <laughs> so you take that however you want to. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Just like the dust rods, like sometimes they can kind of be fun. Yeah. But the second that they start to go anywhere unexpected it gets real uncomfortable real fast super duper personal opinion yeah just the personal opinion but that is that is my opinion for Uh, sure another thing that you can do during a seance is it's similar to a ouija board but for some reason it translates a little cleaner Mm. and um that's when you have a table and then over top you would have a a glass that you would use upside down Mm. and everyone uses the glass as a planchette and puts their fingers on it and then but then you're not going really to spell words out yeah. or anything. That's more like, you know, asking it's like, a like group pendulum. Almost. It's like yeah, exactly, and like who here is there a message for? And like it starts to go towards one person, yeah. and then you can ask questions we'll like, show me what yes is, and maybe it'll move a certain way, and show me what no is, it'll move another way, mm-hmm. and then then it becomes very much pendulum activity. I've also seen like people use. Like chalkboard, oh, and then totally. put a piece of chalk in a pendulum. That's and super let, fun. That one's really cool. I love the chalkboard one because then you get to scry afterwards. Yes. <laughs> scrying is its whole own secondary art form, and it's such a blast. And it's like three different people will get like eerily similar messages and then totally different messages that all come together. It's so much fun. It really is. In fact, we that should be like another feature. We should have a whole episode just about scrying because there's so many different ways scrying to do it. Scrying is such... It, it's simultaneously like psychological an art form and you have to be in tune with some kind of like mental state oh my god totally you nailed it's it it's yeah. such a work it is it is but it's awesome <laughs> i love doing it so i could just zone like fire oh, scrying is one of my out, favorite i've things. zoned out scrying for like two hour windows because oh, the messages sure. and the messages start to shift like once you're really in the mm-hmm. zone it's amazing what comes through but that's another that's a that's, that's another, a whole other ball game yeah <laughs> that's sorry another skill. that's another thing to learn but yes it, it can also but that's what's kind of fun about seances is you can bring a lot of different forms of magic together into one space absolutely we've just gone over a couple like yeah that's just a couple yeah and i know some people bring tarot cards Mm -hmm. to um to them um some people bring uh regular playing cards some people bring uh scrabble um pieces Mm -hmm. to you know create words and some people who have who like want to be at that level? Like they'll bring the ghost hunting equipment out. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's a whole other. All yeah, kinds of that stuff. becomes it, like so, we like we yeah. were saying. Like we're gonna keep saying seances. Are it's a so deep. Much. It's a deep dive, that's man. Why it's the whole episode. So, <laughs> yeah. So okay, we should take a yeah. Let's take a tangent there. Talk about briefly because we're talking about the tools that you would have for it, right? Perfect. So. um there are like a zillion, like, so I started with the Victorian because I wanted to go from this perspective, from that sort of purist, I don't know, in my mind I called it purist, and, uh, whatever, it's meaningless it's, to me now. But anyway, the point yes. was I wanted to keep it like on like a non-electrical device um, based experience. And and that was because, I don't know, I just got trapped by like, 
I just thought it was cool, the whole Victorian idea. And I had this concept I would come out in, like, Victorian uh, uh, costume <laughs> and what have you. Um, and then I never, like, got my act together to do that. <laughs> so, uh, but then I was invited to a friend's seance, which when I showed up, uh, oddly enough, I ended up running it because, you know, that's what happens. That's and <laughs> But uh, of the people who were at the table, um, one of them was Ryan Singer of Where, J- Where the Magic Happens and podcast and also um, Paranormal you oh gosh I hope I got that right Ryan sorry if I got that wrong um so uh anyway check it before we no it's fine I don't care (laughs) he will care um so uh anyway he had a uh shit what do you call it spirit box and and I had you know I I hadn't really used anything that required batteries you know for seances as I was keeping it all Victorian and I was, like, astounded by this experience. It was so freaking cool. Like, so, okay, Spirit Box is, it's this little, uh, like, AM, FM radio Mm -hmm. tuner. And it's hacked in such a way that it randomizes the stations that Mm -hmm. it will tune to with the idea that as you call upon Spirit, Spirit will um, enter into the device and change the channel to words to sounds in order to sound out a word in mm-hmm. order to impart a message and man i thought that was the hokiest damn thing i, I have know. ever heard i've seen <laughs> videos of them and like you said the first time you hear about it you're like that sounds like such bull totally and then you see these things and it's like clear crystal clear messages oh my god they're insane <laughs> Uh, let me just tell you right now that Ryan single-handedly changed my entire mind and approach to seances and contacting the other side. In one evening. In one evening by sharing with me that freaking device. Oh my and so we had it, we had, a, uh, there was a, a person there who was uh, very musically inclined. Mm-hmm. So they were the designated listener. So they sat there with the headphones on and they were noise-canceling headphones. So that person couldn't hear the questions that we were asking. And, right? And so then, and then the spirit box, you know, had a a little um, speaker, right? So we could all hear what sounds were coming out. Oh, could we hear the sounds that were coming out? Or could only she hear the sounds that were coming out? No, wait, no. She could only, I'm sorry, I got that screwed up. Only she could hear the sounds that were coming out. Um, That's right. So we couldn't hear the sounds. She could. So she couldn't hear the questions. Correct. And you guys couldn't hear the answers. Correct. And the box was the in-between. Exactly. There we go. And it freaking answered the questions accurately. Like, what kind of questions? Are we talking, like, people asking things that they know for sure? Yes. And and at (sighs) one point, and at one point it was even super creepy. However, I have to say that I believe, because I heard this one, so I think this is before we did it with the headphones or after, Mm -hmm. because we took, we had them with and without. Um, But during one of the times without... We asked who who at the table that they had a message for, and the dial, as it was changing, sounded out Melissa. I, part of me is excited about that, and part of me doesn't like that at all. Every freaking <laughs> so hair scary. on my body stood on end. I can only 
imagine? And especially, I, especially if you're going in with that like skepticism layer where you're just right. like, come on, right? Totally. Because I was just like, oh, there's your name, you're right? Because I'm coming from this perspective of like not trusting gadgets because of like gimmicky entertainment, mm-hmm. for, you know, seances. So uh, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this. This is really freaky right now. And it couldn't have been like, it just didn't feel like it could have been rigged that way. Because it was that's, random. That's the thing that always gets me with the spirit box is because it's basically a tampered radio where it's not sticking on the stations. The information is still coming from live stations. Right, exactly. So, so you, you can't, can't fake it. can't fake the live stations that no, are currently running. No, you can't like pre-plan that. Yeah. So it's like for... It's it's weird because it's like if you've never seen a spirit box or thought of a spirit box, it's the silliest thing to compare it to. But the way that it immediately made sense to me was like thinking of Bumblebee from the live action Transformers movies, how he communicated using Aww, the radio. That's so like, that's, cute. That's just immediately like I love it, that. It's it's a more user friendly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that really is. Thank you it's for that. Like that's that's kind of how it works. Where it's yeah, just like it's true. they're going through and they're just like picking up the little bits and putting them together. And if your name came out of that, I don't know if I'd be so happy that evening. Right? And also, and it's not like, I mean, granted, okay, my name is fairly common, but it came out, it like was spelled out with different sounds on different stations. Mm. So it wasn't like one station said Melissa. It was like, Melissa. You know? And it was kind of dragged out like a mm-hmm. s- And it was super creepy. So at that particular moment in time, I was immediately sold on all gadgets. <laughs> So then, so they have a place with me now, (laughs) right? So then, when I went to St. Augustine um, to visit my dad, the last time I was there, on um, I when I got back right before the pandemic hit, so that was the last time I went anywhere, and we walked all over St. Augustine. We took a um, like a ghost hunting tour. Oh, fun! It was so much fun, and I got to like try out all this different equipment. Then I went back to the place and I bought a few, and my dad actually bought it. He treated me and bought me the the equipment. Um, so now I have all this awesome ghost hunting equipment and then boom, the pandemic happened. So I haven't been able to like do anything with it. I wanted to have like, I was hoping to put together like a little paranormal investigator society in LA and have us. Oh, that's so cute. Right. I was going to have us go out to like different locations and it's kind of like seance on the go, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so back to seances. To get back to where we were. Yes. Those are some of the tools. Those that are you some can of the tools. Into. Precisely. So now, beyond the tools, you have to set your space. Yes. And a lot of different people have a lot of different ways of setting spaces and certain traditions. You're going to lay the lines. Um, what do you think, like, top, like, two or three necessities would be, in your opinion? Since there are so many varying opinions. Good point. Good point. Um, So I like to call on entities to protect the space. And I feel like that is the number one most important thing. Um, They're essentially, you know, astral plane bouncers. Yeah. Um, So I, you know, I would call on Archangel Michael to wield his mighty sword and, you know, stand at the doorway into our space and not allow anything that uh, meant harm, Yeah, you know, to anyone present. Being sure to completely board that space. I think that um, for me and what I have seen, I have to say using the bell has to be my big one. Yeah. Like make sure to use the bell to invite and close out. And you know what? Let me let me talk about the bell for for oh, talk, a moment. Please talk about the bell. Uh, thank you for reminding because that's another important tool. So okay, and this is this is a little bit of a mediumship tip as well, but it's all in the same vein, right? 
Um, so when you are beginning to explore this stuff and work with your spirit guides and just contact spirits in general, it's really good to uh, establish a protocol with them that signals when you are ready to receive messages and when you are closed down. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you could be blasted wide open and just be spirit day in, day out, and not be able to live any sort of functional life in the mundane real world. Mm-hmm. Or you end up on the other side of the fence where you close yourself off to everything, and then you're just not having fun. Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's good to have balance. Um, so there are many different ways to achieve this. I have read and heard about um, mediums who will wear a certain type of hat. And whenever they're wearing that hat, that signifies that they are ready to receive. So they would sit down at the seance, they put the hat on, and boom, it, that is an indication to the spirit realm that they are ready to come in. Or they're That's open. a really yeah. good way to think about it. Like, even just from a day-to-day mediumship perspective. Right. It's a really good idea. Because it could be something like... It could be anything. It could be a keychain or a set of earrings or... Totally. It could be know. like clicking your tongue mm-hmm. or a certain... Um, you could even make it be really ritualistic and witchy and like uh, even ceremonial and go into some sort of chant if you wanted mm-hmm. to um, and but make it a whole yourself. thing. Always, always, always. It's just like we talked about with grounding last week. It seems so basic. Don't miss that step. Protect yourself. Protect the people around you. You don't know if you're going to get into some heavy stuff, but it's way better to be prepared for that before right. than after. And just to, as a just one quick note about the the bell thing. So what I what I find is um, it is really good to have two different sounds for opening and closing. Oh, I like that a lot. So I do the bell for me. I just like the way a bell sounds. Um, oh, it resonates. And you know, my grandmother always had bells around the house, so it has mm-hmm. this sort of nostalgic old timiness mm-hmm. for me. Um, that I like. And so, so, and also, um, you know, I, I bar, so Patty also does the bell and I love, and she has this gorgeous bell. Hers is way nicer than mine, <laughs> but, um, I, I just aspire to have one like hers one day. I know, right. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so she does, and I just thought it was very elegant. I thought it was an elegant sound to call them into the space. I think that for me, the thing with bells is always that it's like, it feels really clarifying. It does, yeah. It, it's, it's you know, it's associated with that air element. It just strikes through everything in the space really well. And it's like you can physically feel like just an immediately cl- like cleansing and openness. Totally. And on that note, um, a bell actually is a good house cleanser or a space mm-hmm. cleanser, just as a, as a freaking side oh, note. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like a, a good thing to... Um, you know, like if you just have some funky energy in a space, you and can ring a bell and it, hit your corners. Yeah, it clears it all out. You mm-hmm. could do it with a singing bowl too, oh, as well. Um, so anyway, yeah. So and then so at the end, I do a knock. I do a, a I knock three times, and so that's my that's right. You do do that thing that I do to sort of indicate that I have closed down for um, for the night or whatever, and. Originally, when I got the idea for the knocking, it was to use my broom um, handle held uh, upside down, oh, you know, to the yes. ground, yeah. and do the knocking on the ground with the broom handle, uh, just because I don't know. That's I like incorporating brooms. I'm a, I'm a kind of a broomy witch, and I and I feel that brooms, um, you know, you can also bang your walls uh, and and make the space sacred with a broom, you know, the handle to the wall, oh. um, yeah, and you claim your space. There's so, so much broom. 
Yeah, like, and they're journey- there's a whole yeah flying and journeying and having mm-hmm. vision quests. It's so I can all understand why related. You like consider that, but I'm yeah. guessing that it seemed it's not always practical yeah. to lug around a big giant <laughs> broom everywhere. So you know when you know when all else fails, if I'm teaching a class or whatever, I just use my hands to knock. But anyway, but I do think that's a really good idea to have it be two separate sounds and events. So I think that that's in an, in a way we kind of we kind of hit the points which should be. Make sure you have something that protects the space. Make sure you have something that initiates that it's starting. And make sure you have something that initiates that it ends. Exactly. Yes. Fill the rest in responsibly. <laughs> yeah. And then I like to go into a sort of like, um, once I've called in something to, you know, protect. So, and so far as calling in to, for protection, I use the archangels. But when mm-hmm. I first start, I use them now because I took a ceremonial magic class and I'm starting to get more into that. But, um but to use it from a witchy perspective, not to take a deep dive and become an initiate. But, um, but like before that, all I did was, uh, you know, hail to the guardians and the watchtowers of the north and so forth. Right. You know, I just cast a circle and called the quarters, and that was how I set the space for a seance. Um, when I this when I got into table tipping, you have to prep the table. So for that, uh, salt water. And, mm-hmm. you know, they say to sprinkle salt water on it. Just, I just stuck it in a squirt bottle. Psh, 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 done. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> such, I don't get... It's so easy to get creative with this stuff. Yeah. It really is. Um, so the so other good. thing, the other thing I like to use is, and I always say, talk about this in all my classes, is lavender. Mm-hmm. Um, so lavender, you when you burn it, <laughs> you it will... Your I do, because it serves so many purposes. Mm-hmm. And and it's also, like, if it, when I trace my ancestry, a lot of my ancestry is from, like, Italy and France and the Mediterranean, and that's mm-hmm. sort of, like, lo- lots of lavender grows there. So I feel like this sort of, like, also, like, ancestral connection to lavender that just works for me over, like, sage or anything else. Um, but also lasso lavender not only cleanses your magical or mundane space, um, of any, you know, negative energy, but it is also an inviting scent to spirits. Mm-hmm. So it's perfect for seances because it just, they're like, Oh, I smell lavender and they hop right down. Um, so that's a, that's another thing to do. Um, so once you've got all that set up, then the next thing that I like to do is, in certain circles, it's called an opening prayer, um, and that is because of spiritualism, which I'm not going to get into spiritualism because that's a whole other t- thing that could be like an entire topic. A lot. Yeah, that's a whole lot. Um, but, you know, there, you know, so you could, you're basically, you're opening the circle, and at that point, I'll do things like, you know, I'll call in, um, I'll be like, you know, uh, I call in my spirit guides and all mm-hmm. of our spirit guides, our ancestors, our ascended masters, uh, you know, lost pets and other beings of light to join us now in this space. Um, you know, and that just sort of like, that's sort of just a nice friendly invitation to all of Absolutely. our, our spirits that we might want to talk to. Um, and once that happened, then at that point, that's usually when I start to do like, uh, I like to do some sort of exercise to get us all on the same page. So I might have us mm-hmm. all hold hands. Yes. And uh, I always forget which way it goes, though, because I'm dyslexic. I think, I think it's um, <laughs> like left receives, right. So left up and right down. Yes. Okay. Um, and so, you know, what you would do is you'd hold hands around the table and you would essentially create and pass <laughs> pass an energy ball Um and, you know, you go in one direction, then you change direction, and you do it until everyone starts to feel the pulse. Yes. 
And it really freaking works. I know that sounds like complete hogwash. But it does. It, it's, it's helping you guys get on the same energy, and it's helping you guys, you know, just kind of sync up together and get comfortable with each other. And it's, it's honestly, every single time I've done that exercise with people, it's really, really satisfying. It's really, really grounding. It's very, it, it just, it feels really good. You feel so calm. Totally. And, you know, and as you It's like one breath is happening for the whole room. Well, exactly. And that's the thing. You're, you're in, you're energetically in sync at that mm-hmm. point. And, and it's, and that's also, I find when all of a sudden everybody's psychic abilities blast wide open. Yeah. Cause it's almost Absolutely. like you, you're, it's like you amplify each other or something. Yes. You know, and I love that. And it's such a cool experience because I love like, you know, because I'll start getting stuff instantly, but I like to be quiet at first <laughs> and watch other people to see what they're getting because I don't want to inform anybody, you know? Right. And yeah, so it's, it's that little bit of skepticism, like, okay, who's going to, who's going to say what first? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I want to see who's getting something. Um, so yeah. So, okay. So you do that to get all in sync. Right. And there are other ways to do that, but that's just what I like to do. Yeah. Um, and then one thing, that, another thing that you can do if you want to, like stuff should start happening at that point, right? If it doesn't, one thing that you can do is a candle meditation. Yes. And that's where Absolutely. you just stand at a, stare at a flame and it like totally blasts open your third eye. You don't want to stare too long because you don't want to hurt your eyes, but just enough. And you'll close your eyes and you kind of do a little meditation. One thing that one person, again, going back to your crystal balls, one thing that one person showed me that I had a really great time doing is you put the candle in the middle and then you kind of go to the crystal ball and you find like flicker shadow off of it. And then you don't have to look directly at the candle, which is one pro, but also it really kind of gets you into like this meditative open state and kind of takes you into that scrying realm a little bit. Exactly. It it gets you right back into that, into that energy, into that mode, helps you see these things that are coming through. Totally. Um, but yeah, so those, you know, so anyway, that's how you, that's basically how you, how you go about setting up a seance. And then from there, you know, you can just like, you know, you would just start asking questions. And this is the thing that, you know, most people are familiar with from the movies and Ouija boards, because you would ask questions like, you know, is there anyone here? Mm -hmm. You know, who do you have a message for? What's your name? How did you die? You know, things like that. Um, so, you know, that's super fun. Now, one time, um, so that's all That's all the informative stuff. So now we're going to tell stories. So one time I was doing, it was one of the first, and my, it's like one of the first seances I did with a group, you know, where it wasn't just me. Well, actually, oh, that's right. I forgot about that one. Okay. I have stories. Girl, you have, you, you have okay. so many. So, okay. The first time I ever did a seance with a full group, and this is like, this is, you know, I not counting when I was a kid and goofing around and didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, but the first time I ever did a seance with a full group was well before I was taking any of this stuff seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I think I was in my, tw- I want to say I was in my twenties and it was for a birthday party. And I, I rented one of the cabins at the Chateau Marmont <laughs> What? I felt like being classy and fun because it's oh, like oh, of course, yeah, because it's, no, it's beautiful. Like, and I and I'd always wanted to see like behind the the scenes at the chateau, you know, where the, like the, like all the fancy people hang out. But I had just moved to L.A. Give me a break. Oh, wow. so um, so anyway, I so I'm at the chateau and I invited a bunch of friends and um. I, uh, and it was kind of funny too, cause I gave them like a really totally obviously phony fake name to stay under. So they totally treated us like celebrities cause they <laughs> thought that we were, and it was freaking hilarious. <laughs> That's just a side note. Um, 
but so uh, so the the one fun thing was uh, we're sitting around. We've got we have you know the candles going, whatever, mm-hmm. and I we might we may have had a Ouija board. I don't remember if we had one or not. But we're all sitting around in a circle in, and we had dimmed the lights with the candles, and we and you know I had no idea about any of this stuff. I didn't do protections. I didn't do any of that stuff because I didn't know about it at the time. I just went. Bananas, like, right in, you know? Oh, no. So we're like, you know, are there any spirits here? You know, please make yourselves known. I kid you freaking not. There is a loud crack of thunder and all of the lights go out. (laughs) Are you serious? Dead serious. And every... (laughs) This is what I was talking about earlier. I was like, it's so much better to go through all those steps to make sure you're safe so that if something huge happens, you're not then trying to cover yourself afterwards. That's the, but that's the story and of my life. But that's why I do, I make all the mistakes so, so that, that I can... you don't have to. Yeah, so that I can teach you to not. Um, so, yeah. But, uh, so... So what happened? So, well, then there was a chorus of screaming girls. That's what happened. Uh, well, okay, yes. <laughs> Okay, no more Just of this. Like, okay, Melissa, no. What did you make us do? Oh my god! <laughs> See, for me, I, and that's where it, it's like you just said you've made the mistakes so that I don't have to. And it's like the seances I've been to have either been with you personally, and people you have picked personally, or in one of your classes. And those are all very nicely controlled. Totally. All the, all the wrinkles are ironed out, and it's just it's just about, I get to just walk in and have fun. Right. It's like, and it, it's like, I remember the first time we did the table tipping, and it's like, there was a really loud knock, like probably about five minutes in, and everyone just immediately, like, head snapped up, and it's like, did you make a sound? Did you make a sound? <laughs> and like, just going through and figuring out, nobody moved? Okay. No, all right. That right. happened. I know. And then there was another time I did a seance. Um, this was at the Crooked Path. And this might have been the first official seance that I, I can't remember if I hosted this one. I feel like I did, but I'm not totally sure. But it, anyway, it was one of the first ones that I did. Mm. And um, a friend of mine who sadly passed away several years ago now, but at the time it was closer, um, she... She was really, she was a psychic. She was into all this stuff. And uh, so if anybody was going to, and she was, she was the woman, she, Amy Wallace. She was one of Carlos Castaneda's wives. Yes. Um, you, you, Amy, Amy likes to come and hang out. She likes you. to, but at this time I didn't know this. This was my first time discovering this. Oh. Yes. So what happened was we're sitting around, we're doing a thing and I forget who we were calling on or if we were just trying to get generic spirits or what have you. Right. And, you know, we were getting some stuff, but like not, and there was a lot of confusion and it seemed like we were all getting stuff, but we were like all getting different things. And it was, it was a little like, it was like a cacophony, right? Um, (laughs) And so then I got this idea and I remember I turned to my friend and I was like, do you think I should call on Amy? And she was like, oh, my God, yes, do it. And I was like, okay, because she knew Amy as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, because Amy had this connection, if you know anything about Carlos Castaneda, and if you don't, I highly recommend that you look into him, because even though he may may or may not have been, may have been a charlatan, he did some of the stuff that he wrote about actually does help a lot of people. So I'm not, you know, no judging. Um, but if you want to know even more about him, read The Sorcerer's Apprentice, by Amy Wallace, and she tells her entire 
story of her life with Carlos, and it is a fascinating roller coaster read. Um, but if so, we knew because she just so happens to be a dear friend of yours, yeah, who I lo- love, love so much, and she was so wonderful. So, but she was a prankster, okay? So she was a trickster. She loved to laugh and she loved to tell stories and she loved to like just mess with people and she would tease me all the time. Um, so, you know, of course, if one is like that in life, one is like that in death. Uh, we have, we retain a bit of our personality. We retain all of our personality, okay? So, um, so we're sitting there doing the seance and all of a sudden a book just moves on one of the shelves. And... I'm like, did that just happen? You know, and I turned to my friend and, and she was like, that just totally happened. And I'm like, well, what book was it? And she's like, oh, she hops up to go check on the book. And it is a book that says how to be a psychic. And mind you, at this particular time in my life, I was not a practicing psychic. <laughs> and Amy wrote a book on how to be a psychic and studied it at a college in Southern or Northern California. Oh, my gosh. So it was like a clear freaking... I mean, you couldn't get any clearer than that. And it was super... And I was just like, oh, my God, the book just moved. Oh, my... God, that was Amy. And she's since come through, like, I think every damn seance that I have had. I... I, She likes to come through even when you're not having a seance. Like, I have been over (laughs) at your house and had things fall just out of nowhere. And we're just like, there wasn't a cat over there. We weren't in the room. No, it wasn't on the edge of anything. And you'll just turn around and she's like, Amy, Amy, are you messing with me today? And it's because it'll just be stuff that it makes no sense yeah. for it to do it otherwise. Totally. And it's, but you've, you've kind of opened up your space to that kind of thing. Oh, completely and totally. Yeah. I mean, the room we're in right now is warded like crazy, but Amy is allowed here because she's good yeah, energy. Yeah, literally last week while we, I think not long after we were recording, I think it was one of the crystals like fell off the shelf. Yeah. And we were just like... Okay. Right in front of Amy's picture, no less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's awesome. If you watch it on the video, we're pointing. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So, uh, I feel like what this is a longish episode. So, with all the experiences we've had, especially you, I feel like we've walked everybody through what to expect, kind of maybe a little bit of how-tos, maybe how you like to do it. But one thing's been missing from this episode, and that is a great way to wrap it up on this one and that would be our witch tips witch tips one of the first witch tips that I would like to share and I have a couple of different ones uh, just because it's trade. important you can go then I can go then we'll let you wrap it up exactly <laughs> um, so one of the most important witch tips uh, is and now this one I, now okay I have to premise because Usually when I'm throwing seances, like in my house, you know, mm-hmm. I'm inviting either experienced professional psychics or my students, you yeah. know, people who have trained under under me. So, like, um, I don't feel as though I need to take this particular ep- extra step that I'm going to share with you guys. Mm-hmm. But for sure, if you are doing a seance and you yourself are either not super knowledgeable out of it or you're doing it with other people who are not professional psychics or have trained to be a psychic or medium. Um, it is a really super duper good idea to have a being in black, um, which has in the past been called man in black. I'm calling it uh, man in black. I'm calling it being in black so as to be genderless. Um, 
and more fair. So uh, inclusive. But so yeah. So you want to have a being in black. And now, absolutely. What this what this person does is. They do not sit at the table or whatever with you and participate in the actual seance mm-hmm. and go into trance. They step, they stay outside of the circle a little Absolutely. bit. And they dress all in black and they cancel out their their energy from the space. They don't want to be affected by the space and they don't want their energy to affect the space. Yes. And their job is just to keep an eye on everyone and make sure, you know, because one thing that can absolutely freaking happen during a seance or a ghost hunting or any of these things is you can be possessed by a spirit. And I know that people make fun of that and people joke about it and there's all kinds of stuff like, oh, demons aren't really real and blah, 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 blah. And who knows what... But even even if, you know, whatever your belief is, whatever you think how things work is, at the end of the day, even just having somebody who's not in the situation, who's a third party, who's neutral, if somebody gets really, really freaked out and has right. a panic attack. Totally. Having somebody who's not also in the situation, who's calm, be prepared to just step in and neutralize any situation is really, really important. Exactly. And it'll help It'll help make everybody feel more safe. It mm-hmm. actually makes the space more safe. Yes. And so there's no losing on just making sure that there's somebody in that position. Exactly. Yes, yeah, so it's a really good idea mm-hmm. to have someone play that role. It's like having a drunk driver. Who uh, yeah like or not a drunk driver? What do they call it? Designated, designated driver. driver. <laughs> it's like having a designated driver. You have you have your designated Absolutely. being in black. Yeah, and that kind of actually leads a little bit into my witch tip for this week, which was make sure you do this kind of thing with people you trust. It, you know whether like we talked about the Ouija boards a little bit earlier, whether or not you know you completely subscribe to all of this. It's just like I mentioned, even on a mundane level, people can have panic attacks, people can freak out, people can get really, really scared, and if at the end of the day, you assume like worst case scenario is that somebody who's really sensitive to these kind of energies ends up feeling possessed or ends up, you know, in a position where you don't feel safe, you want to make sure you're with people that in that kind of situation you could trust. So assume... That even if everything went right, you wouldn't want to put yourself in a position where you're mentally open like that around people who maybe aren't going to be the best for you in that position. Totally, yeah. And um, and then just to add a couple little extra things at I the wait. end, um, it's always good to have some rose water on hand. Uh, yeah. I keep it in a little squirt bottle because it's easier and like... It's really great if you do have a being in black. The being in black can be the keeper of the rose water. And if they're feeling, you know, you might be all tranced out and in your thing, and they might pick up on something negative before you even pick up on it. So then they can sort of just do a little quick spritz just to sort of, you know, just to keep anything negative at bay. Um, And that being said, it's also good to have something made of iron around so that almost like we talked about this one before yeah so like yeah exactly iron like we talked about it with grounding in episode one um and this is again it's a grounding thing so let's say you know something does go sideways during your seance and someone needs to step away they can hold on to the you know the iron and it can calm them down or like or you know you're just done you're at the end of the seance and you just Mm -hmm. need to like just get a bunch of that energy out of you. Yes. Hold on to the iron. So it's good to have that on standby, and that can be anything made of iron. Absolutely. Um, and then the very last thing that I wanted to mention <laughs> is always at the end of your seance, 
have some nice salty snacks and some water <laughs> and some wine if you drink wine on standby because um, that all is going to help ground you first of all you know the salty foods are going to ground you you're going to and then you're also going to be super dehydrated so it's good to have the water um, and you know also just have some snacks maybe some brownies and other things too yeah. because then you can turn it into a party and Relax. sort of like enjoy it at the end yeah. of the day you're doing this to expand your worldview and have some fun with people you like yeah and but talk about your experience and exactly. share what you got and like experiences are awesome totally like, yeah go do one exactly <laughs> <laughs> and before we end episode 2 we forgot to do this in episode one, so we have to share all of our social media thingies. Um, incoming information. Incoming dump. information. <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Circle Cast. Mm-hmm. Um, our parent account is um, also on all those platforms at American Witch 13. And you can find me personally. I am Melissa St. Hilaire. I know that's a lot. I don't want to spell it out. So y'all can just find it on American Witch 13. (laughs) And my co-host. You can always find me. uh, I am primarily going to be on Instagram. You can find me at Rosard Magi. Which you can probably also find off of the American Witch 13 account. Yes. Come bother me. (laughs) (laughs) Ask questions. (laughs) Yes, ask questions. We love DMs. And we will answer them. In a future episode. Absolutely. And maybe it'll be a future episode if yes. today is any indication. Oh, and also, we also have a Patreon. So what you're listening to right now, if you're just listening, is our podcast, which will be free for everybody. Absolutely. Yes. Um, but we will. We also have a Patreon. We have a couple of different tiers. We tried to keep things as reasonable as possible, so we have like a $1 tier. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, we'll have different things. So the the $1 tier is just some, you know, miscellaneous bonus content. Um, If you, I forget what the other tiers are, I think. uh, But one of the tiers is... You'll start to get backstage stuff. Yes. You can, we're actually filming our recordings right now. You can get some fun behind the scenes I'm waving. You yeah, I think the ten. I think for I, I think for ten dollars a month, you get the the video of mm-hmm. and it's early the, access. Yeah, the, it's the uncut, unedited video. We're just gonna throw it up totally raw with all of our mistakes and blunders. Um, so you'll get that for a little extra, and mm-hmm. then uh, the top tier is I think twenty five dollars, and with that, you will get a monthly Zoom circle. With us live, so you can ask us anything. Yes, and there's and there's more to come. The uh, the big thing is the reason we wanted to at least bring up the Patreon today was just let you know, like if you like this and you want to support this and you want to see us be able to give you more content, if you support us a little bit, we can bring a lot more to you a lot faster. Totally. So help us help you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's Patreon, and that is American Witch Thirteen. And now it's time to close the circle. The Circle Cast.